Welcome to episode 13 of the UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. I'm Chris McKee, your host. As usual, we run through all the key storylines, scores, and news from the world of NCAA mid-major basketball. Of course, the big story from last night, the Gonzaga Bulldogs improved to 11-0 after a comfortable win over BYU 86-69. And BYU falls to 9-3. Originally, this game was scheduled to be against Santa Clara due to whatever issues. Wasn't able to happen, so the BYU game got moved up. And talked about this a few weeks ago on the pod, how I felt You know, BYU was probably the best chance from any team in the West Coast Conference during Gonzaga's conference schedule that had a chance of beating them. Unfortunately, they didn't. The Vegas line was 17 points going into the game. I thought BYU would cover. However, it was 17 on the dot, so the game was a push. Is what it is. So Corey Kisper, 23 points for the Zags, including 3 of 4 from behind the arc. Jalen Suggs at 16 points, also 3 of 4 from behind the arc. And 5 assists as well, including he had what I would call a touchdown pass. Catches the ball, a rebound underneath his own basket. Throws the ball on a dime, like the quarterback that he is, up the court, easy lay-in. I think it was to Ayayi and uh, you know whoever was doing the play-by-play for the game on ESPN last night, just freaking out, like, oh, my God. So it's funny, you know, I saw Jalen play two games, declared him the best player in college basketball, got a few messages from people going, are you all right? And now it's great to see the rest of the world catching up. So the rub for BYU was Alex Barcelo. He's their star player. He's averaging 17 and change throughout the season, but he was terrible. He only had nine points. He was three of 11 from field goal range and one of four from three. And so that was really the difference in the game. Gonzaga came out and I think it was about 18-2. They they came out the gate quick. So to me, I would call that a first round knockout. Just came out with a flurry, you know, and then that was the hole that was just too deep for BYU to dig out of. Now, credit to BYU. They did a great job of digging out of it, including in the first half. Game got out of hand a bit, and then I know they had a, like a 10-2 run at one point, so they did a great job of settling down, and other guys came in. BYU's bench was outstanding. I think they had three different guys in double figures off the bench, which you know helped out for Barcelo not getting it done, but um, that was the difference. And so maybe that next game, you know, Barcelo a little settled down, nerves there. They've already played the Zags, got nothing to lose, and so maybe BYU that final game of the season gives them a better run. But um, for now, not happening. Gonzaga will remain number one in the AP poll after that dominant win. They've got Portland up next, I believe tomorrow, which is January 9th. Yeah, Saturday. Portland six and four on the season. I don't anticipate them giving them any sort of run. So look for Gonzaga to be 12-0 as of Sunday morning. So it's funny because I actually missed the first few minutes of the Gonzaga game. Not only did the TSN coverage here in Canada of the Heisman, or sorry, the College Football Awards ceremony, you know, they're giving out the, uh, you know, the Doak Walker and Blitnikoff and all those awards, Lyman of the Year, whatever. And so that ran a little late. So I kind of got, I was enthralled with, believe it or not, I watched the Tennessee Tech Moorhead State game. It was a great game. Uh, Moorhead ended up pulling it out 57 54. And I was also, I had two simultaneous screens going. I was watching Long Island versus St. Francis. So, you know, <laughs> why don't I have a vote in the AP Top 25? Because I actually watch mid major college basketball. So that's something I'm going to try to lobby for in the future. But how do I do a mid major podcast? I sit and watch 
mid-major college basketball. So I was enthralled by the Tennessee Tech-Moorhead State game. Great game. Came right down to the wire. Both games came right down to the wire. But uh, Moorhead sparked off the bench by Jalen Seabury, who's going to be part of the Under the Radar Player Watch this week. Kid was really nice. So he's a Florida Atlantic transfer and apparently dealt with some injury issues while playing for the Owls and looking for a fresh start at Moorhead State. And nine points he had off the bench, career high. And uh, he just had this one great run behind the back spin. It was beautiful, like old school, like New York Rucker Park basketball. And so this guy's got some game. Uh, he wears number 23, and he's held Moorhead now up to 6-6, six and six, so looking pretty good. You know what's funny? I, I watched the game, and I didn't even look at the records of either team. I was just enjoying the basketball. Love OVC basketball. And I didn't even realize Tennessee Tech now, with the loss, falls to 1-11. and 11. Still a damn good team. They got some guys. I was impressed with them. They had some fight, something in them. And, you know, that one shot at the end is the difference between, you know, from them being 2-10 and 1-11. and, one and 11. But And I think that the OVC so close. It's such a, a tight conference, and that's the difference. But Tennessee Tech, man, one of the better 1-11 teams I've seen over the past decade. So a little unfortunate, but they look pretty good. And I mentioned watch the Long Island-St. Francis game. Long Island Sharks won. 78 75 they got these great uniforms nice gym the sky blue the the light blue that like the san diego chargers wear with some white and stuff it was beautiful really really nice uniforms but um enjoy the game and for the under the radar player watch from long island kid that i really like young man named trey wood he wears number two he had 14 points off the bench he was a real spark plug every time you know i was toggling back and forth i had both the moorhead game and the long island game on my screen going back and forth every time i looked over in the second half number two was making a play 14 points off the bench four assists um he's a umass transfer sat out last year after playing his first year for the Minutemen. and so you know kid's got some really nice little player and uh, hopefully that confidence and what he did yesterday in the second half give him a little bit more momentum as we head towards the season. Now, one of the things I realized is why I was so enthralled. Now, they were both great basketball games, but um, I ate a weed cookie yesterday afternoon before the game. It's my day off. I work Saturday through Wednesday, so Thursday and Friday are my days off. So that was Thursday night. And Bumped into a buddy of mine over Christmas. So oh, me and the girlfriend made some cookies. Give you one. So he gave me one. And uh, amazing. You know, if you want something to help make, you know, games versus Long Island and St. Francis a little bit more interesting, I would recommend a little THC. The weed cookie was amazing. And then that led me into the Gonzaga game, which I sat and watched with my son. We just chilled out and enjoyed it. But um, it was pretty good. So highly recommended. Uh, <laughs> A little bit of enhancement watching the games, you know? So later in the podcast today, I'm going to talk a little Ball State basketball. I'm going to play a few segments of my interview during the offseason with their head coach, James Whitford. So Ball State 4-4 four and four right now. And uh, they got Buffalo up next tomorrow, which is Saturday. So that's going to be a tough one for them. But um, they had a good season last year. Talk a little bit about that and uh, enjoyed my conversation with James Whitford. So we'll be playing that uh, in the next couple of little minutes. Also going to give my... Betting picks of the week. Now, unfortunately, literally one of my betting picks I was supposed to do right before the game was uh, UC Irvine versus UC San Diego. And apparently San Diego now out. Some testing issues, whatever. So that's off. So I'll give you the one game I did like aside from that. So we'll get to that. 
Before I go through some of the key scores of the week, I want to go through some of the newsworthy stories of the week. So congrats to Richmond head coach Chris Mooney on his 300 win as a Division I head coach. Most of those coming as the head coach of Richmond, where he has been since 2005. And the year, I wasn't sure it was a year or two before that, but he was the head coach at Air Force. So most of those wins coming at Richmond. Obviously, Richmond been one of the better mid-major programs over the past five or six years under Coach Mooney. So congrats. Mooney played his college ball at Princeton. So he's an Ivy League guy from 1990 to 94. And he's got Richmond 8-3 and three this week. So congrats to Chris Mooney on win number 300. Also, Chandler Vaudrin. From Winthrop gets his 1,000 point as a college basketball player. Congrats to him. Talked about him a little bit throughout the pod. One of my under-the-radar player watch. Um, as of last week, was leading the NCAA in triple-doubles. And I think was second in assists. He's just under 10 assists a game. Really nice player. Check him out. So, 1,000 points. D2 transfer. Played at Walsh University in was that Ohio or Pennsylvania. Somewhere in there. And made the leap up. And uh, so, this guy, man, he's a bucket. Chandler Vaudrin. Congrats. And then another little bit of news that a little bit insignificant, but put a smile on my face. So Portland State, the Vikings, have added a game tomorrow, I think, versus Northwest Nazarene. Now, why does that matter? Portland State, 2-4 and four right now, 1-1 one and one in Big Sky Conference play. But I love this because Northwest Nazarene, a D2 team who they had their season canceled. So these young men have been sitting around, you know, hoping, praying, and now they're going to get a game. Now, the result tomorrow, who cares? Now, the good thing is, you know these guys from Northwest Nazarene are going to come out and play. Man, they're going to come out and ball. They finally got a game this year. So congrats to them sitting around not doing nothing. I'm so against all these cancellations and, and nonsense when you can turn on your TV and, you know, you see the Ivy League not playing, which is ridiculous. You know, how do how do the guys on Harvard feel? You know, I know Lucas Sakota on Harvard a little bit called his high school games and interviewed him throughout the offseason. You can see that interview and listen to it on UndraftedFreeAgent.com. But Luca, great young man, chose Harvard, obviously, not for the, the basketball because he could have played at any high major, you know, a number of high majors anyway. And now he's sitting around doing nothing. His Ivy League canceled, and, and it really irks me. So I'm so happy for these young men at Northwest Nazarene. They're going to get a chance to play tomorrow against Portland State. So some news on the TV show I am going to be in. It's called Anyone's Game, and here in Canada, it's going to be on CBC, which is our national network, so much like CBS or NBC in the U.S., I'm not quite sure where it's airing in the U.S. It's on one of those streaming services. I know there's a hundred of them, so I, I'm not quite sure. I just know in Canada, it's on the Documentary Channel, which is I got a little bit of a sneak preview of it uh, through that, but it's going to be on CBC Canada starting January 15th. And I got a sneak preview. I mentioned the TV series follows Orangeville Prep, which is the number one high school basketball team in Canada. I've been the play-by-play -play guy for Orangeville for what, four or five years now. And obviously this season canceled. Speaking of canceled seasons, those young men not getting to play, but the cameras followed the boys last year. And I was a part of that, obviously calling a lot of their home games. So I've seen the first six episodes and I'm in episode two, five, and six. And then I would imagine I'm in a lot of the later ones because the first part of the TV show follows Orangeville Prep uh, throughout the grind session season, which is in the U.S. And so they play a lot of that in the early part of the season and then come home and play in their schedule up here in Canada. 
But um, Orangeville Prep, for those unfamiliar, is the program, it's the number one high school basketball program in Canada. This is where Jamal Murray, the Denver Nuggets superstar, is from. Um, Thon Maker, who this year is with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ignis Brzdikis with the New York Knicks, who was Michigan Wolverine star. Uh, Kyle Alexander, who played his college ball at Tennessee, was part of the Miami Heat team last year. And Lugens Dort, played his college ball at Arizona State, and now... Lou is kicking ass for Oklahoma City Thunder, man. He's doing fantastic and so happy to see him. And then O'Shea Brissett, part of that program as well, who played a little bit with the Raptors last year, got cut just before the start of the season. So hopefully he gets a chance. I'm sure he'll be playing in the G League somewhere. But So all of these guys out of this one program, and so now they decided, hey, we got to get some cameras on what's going on. And so a lot of my play-by-play calls heard all throughout it. Some of them, they just took the audio. And there's a few other games that I actually didn't call because maybe an away game in that, but they or they didn't like who did the play-by-play for it, so they got me re- to re-record some of it, and then I also had to record like a radio show, almost like you know if you're in Odessa, Texas, Friday Night Lights, and you know you're gonna listen to the local radio, they're gonna be breaking down everything to do with the high school football or whatever. So I did this for the basketball, recorded like a dummy show. So uh, that's some of the stuff yeah, behind the scenes. Look, so here's some of the players, and I think there's what eight of them. This year, playing NCAA basketball, a number of the mid-majors. So I'm going to go through some of the kids that you'll see in the show and that I got to know a little bit over the past couple of years. So the big superstar of the show is Matthew Alexander Moncrief. He's a freshman sensation down at Oklahoma State, 6'7", forward guard from Brampton, Ontario. I mean, Matthew had offers from everyone from Georgetown, Syracuse, Florida, Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, a lot of the... The big SCC, ACC schools, they all wanted Matthew. Michigan State was in the mix for a while. I remember seeing them in the gym for a little bit. Seton Hall, all of them. And they show a little bit in this on a TV show, but chose to go play down at Oklahoma State. And I know Cade Cunningham played a big part in recruiting him down there. The two had played it, you know, the way they go to some of these night camps and you know, whatever. Some of these different programs, I guess Matthew and Cade ended up coming friendly uh, through some of these camps. And Cade Cunningham one of the you know projected lottery pick, played a big part in getting Matthew down to Oklahoma State. Another kid that features in it is Jeff Nagandu at Seton Hall. Jeff is from Africa. He's from the Congo, and he moved to Canada just to play high school basketball. And a little unfortunate, he got hurt about two games into the season. So I barely saw him play. I saw him play the first game of the season and then the last two games of the season. He was out. Now, he had LSU recruiting him. Uh, Kansas State, another, you know, Seton Hall, everyone was involved, and he ended up committing to Seton Hall to join former Orangeville prep star Tyree Samuel, who I've talked about on the pod. Both these kids, you know, I did their their high school basketball games, both now down at the Hall, and that's great to see. So mid-major content, Shamar Rattan Mays, who I spoke about a couple weeks ago on the pod, he's playing at Youngstown Freshman. He's started, I believe, just about every game for Youngstown right now. He's a big part of the series. I mentioned his older brother, Xavier. Played in the NBA with Memphis in 2018, five or six games, and of course, a Florida State star. So, Shamar features heavily in the TV show. Kyler Filowich uh, with Southern Illinois, 6'9", big man from Winnipeg. And uh, I talked about Kyler a little bit. I watched Kyler, both Kyler's games this weekend because they played Drake back-to-back. Kid uh, Kyler's doing fantastic in his freshman season. He's a guy, you know, give him a couple years. He's really going to be, you know, in the mix for all-conference selection. And then also in the show, Coleman Stuka, Northeastern University. Talked about this. Coleman, one of the best pure shooters I've ever seen 
Um, I think he's going to have a huge impact. He's been starting just about every game for Bill Cohen at Northeastern so far this season. And watch out for him to make uh, make some noise. Alex Nawaga also plays at Northeastern. He's coming a little bit off the bench right now. As expected, I thought Coleman would make an immediate impact. Alex going to take a little bit of a time, but... Alex can play as well. Justice Prentice, you'll see in the show. He's a 6-1 guard from Toronto. That is down at Purdue Fort Wayne. And also Dyson Frank, committed to Pace University, D2, heavily featured in the show, as well as Darius Diavero, who's Darius is still a, a senior in high school. He's committed to play at Valparaiso. He's in the show, as well as another guy named Lorenzo Downey, who I love Lorenzo's game. Lorenzo didn't quite have the academics. He's a, he's a high major player, but I think he's playing at West Texas Juco. Got to get the grades up a little bit, and we'll no, no doubt get his offers in the meantime. So I'm so thankful to be part of that show. You know, it's funny. You see cameras around, and you never know how it's going to turn out, and I, I'm just so blown away with how good the show is, and it's a great window into prep basketball and the grind session. You know, you see them playing against Prolific Prep and Jalen Green and all these big schools in the U.S. throughout the grind session, and any basketball fan, highly recommended. Check it out, and you can hear more of me in it. So some of the other games that I did check out over the week. Also on Tuesday, I watched Toledo squeeze by Kent State, 84-82. Toledo now to 9-3 on the season. It's a really good team. They play Ohio tonight. So I'm recording this at about 6 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. So at some point, I think it's 7, 8 o'clock tip-off. So Toledo with a chance to go 10-3. and I love them. Talked about Marion Jackson, one of the guys I love. Uh, this guy, I mean, leading the NCAA in free throws. He's a baller man, all-Mac last year. Really nice player, so watch out for Toledo. On two, back on Tuesday, I watched a little bit of Winthrop beating Charleston Southern. 78-76 they beat them, and Winthrop now 9-0. Mentioned my guy Chandler Vodron. And on Wednesday, Chattanooga won 72-68 over Sanford. And they get to 10-2. and two. Chattanooga started out 9-0. and Back-to-back -back losses, so they're off the schneid with another win in the column. So good to see Chattanooga to 10-2. On Wednesday, Richmond beat Rhode Island 80-73 behind 22 points from Jacob Gilliard, who was 6-for-8 from behind the arc. So six threes, also had five steals. And the stat that I love, 4-for-4 four four from the free throw line. You get to the free throw line, you hit the damn shot, so... That's uh, nice to see. I've talked about Jacob Gilliard quite a bit on the pod. You know, one of the best mid-major players in college basketball. 22-year-old, buzzes around, defensive nightmare, really nice player. And then also on Wednesday, VCU beat George Mason 66-61. VCU now 9-1. They play Rhode Island tomorrow, which is Saturday. And they're led this season by Nashawn Highland, 17.6 points per game, sophomore guard from Delaware. VCU, I believe, one of the three or four best mid-major teams in college basketball. 9-2, looking to go 10-2 maybe over Rhode Island over the weekend. Watch out for them. I think they're going to be in the mix come March. They got athletes. They got players. They got energy. They got style. They got it all. So love the VCU ramps. And then very late Wednesday night into Thursday, I watched the entire Boise State win over Air Force, 78-59. I've talked a lot about Boise on the pod. Boise now 9-1. They are a damn good team. This game was a blowout. It was kind of you know painfully boring to watch, but I did my regular radio shift and got off at 10-15, uh, so came home and sat and watched uh, just about the entire Boise State game because there was nothing else on. But um, it was cool to see. I wanted to watch the debut also of Devonair Dutrieve 
who I talked about, the Arizona, uh, the Arizona transfer, not Arizona State, excuse me, played for the Wildcats, and he played the first three games of last year, transferred, so he was just eligible. That was the, his debut for Boise. So they got a, a four-star kid now coming off the bench. Really nice. He looked good. Eight points, three rebounds in his debut for Boise. So watch out for the Broncos. They are a team to be reckoned with. So, mention off the top that during the offseason, I had the chance to speak with Ball State head coach James Whitford. You know, Ball State right now, 4-4 four and four in the MAC, one of my favorite leagues. You know, it's, it's a man's league. They got a lot of older guys, and we're going to get to that. Talked about that with Loren Christian Jackson last week in the pod, 24-year-old, and he's got an option to come back. Ball State has a similar type of guy. So, Prior to him becoming the head coach at Ball State in 2013, James Whitford was an assistant under Sean Miller at Arizona for a couple of years and was also with him at Xavier. And then prior to that, Whitford, an assistant at Miami, Ohio. So last season, Ball State went 18-13, and 13, really sort of turning the corner. They were the Comac West champs and looked in a really good spot heading into the MAC tournament before, obviously, it was inevitably canceled. So this year, they are led by 6'3", senior guard, and I say senior, underlined, K.J. Walton. He's a really nice player. He's from Indianapolis. He's got a six-year of eligibility due to a medical redshirt. He played 10 games last year, then had an ankle injury that left him out, which Boise State essentially lost their best player last year, still won the MAC West. And so it's a pretty good team. So this year, Walton, 17.8 points per game, along with 4.9 rebounds. I mean, you, you have that kind of leadership, and I hope, I really hope KJ decides to come back next year, essentially a seven-year college guy, but um, that's the kind of basketball Mac is, a lot of older guys. You don't see a lot of 18, 19-year-old freshmen having success in that league. It's like, it's almost like a European pro league. That's the level of talent they have in there, and uh, Ball State doing some damage. Another guy to be aware of on Ball State is Ishmael El Amin. He is the son of UConn legend Khaled El-Amin. Khaled led UConn, of course, to the 1999 NCAA championship under Jim Calhoun. And that was like the glory days of UConn. And then Khaled ended up being a second-round draft pick of the Chicago Bulls. I think he played about two, about two years in the NBA and then played over in Europe for, oh, God, just about 20 years or so. He had a, a long career in Europe. And that's Ishmael's dad. So Ishmael this year, 16 points per game. He's a kid out of Minneapolis, and prior to the start of the season, he announced he was going to transfer. You know, as a senior, I guess he'd graduated and wanted to explore opportunities to play, maybe high major ball or somewhere else, and for whatever reason, the grass wasn't greener for him. He was only in the transfer portal for about two weeks before he announced, you know what, I'm going to come back to Ball State, and I think that's a great decision. So that's one of the things, it's funny, it must have been like the day before I interviewed James Whitford, because I was excited to talk to him about you know, Ishmael and his comparisons to his father, Khaled El Amin. So, obviously, this is a little mute because James told me, oh, yeah, he had just announced he's transferring. And that was literally the day before, but decided to come back. But I had the chance to ask James Whitford a little bit about Ishmael El Amin and what kind of guy he is. Well, he's a different player uh, in that Khaled was, was more of a point guard and a playmaker. And Ish is a little bit more of a scorer and more plays more off the ball. But, uh, but Ish is a great kid and a really good player. Now, I will tell you, so you know, Ish, Ish has decided to put his name in the transfer portal, and he's going to be finding a new school this spring. Oh, jeez, I didn't know and, that. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, too bad for me because he's a good player. But I, I couldn't say enough good things about him. He's a good player. He's a great kid. You know, he felt like he won, had one year left, and he wanted to try to find a little bit of a higher level to play it in. And I wish it wouldn't be the case, but look at it. 
I wouldn't say one bad word about him. I love him and was cheering for him at our place, and I'll cheer for him at the next place. So that's James Whitford, Ball State head coach, talking Ishmael Elamine, the son of UConn legend college. So one of the players I'm familiar with on Ball State is Ben Hendricks. He's a young man. I called his high school games for three or four years up at Orangeville Prep. 6'10", 6'11", power forward center. Had a decent freshman season coming off the bench this year in his sophomore year. But I love Ben. I think he's got a lot of promise. I just think he needs more minutes. Big guy. He's, I don't know about NBA, but I think he's definitely going to play professionally. Love Ben Hendricks and had the chance to ask James Whiffer just a little bit about how Ben came across his radar. Because I know Ben's parents and stuff really got to got to know him as well and watched him grow as a player from you know the 11th guy on the bench at Orangeville Prep to a starter. And so follow his career closely. And I had the chance to just ask James how he come across Ben, what he thinks of him, and hopes for the future for him at Ball State is what he told me. I was out recruiting on the AU circuit, and I had an assistant that was just giving me names of guys to watch that were available bigs, you know. And uh, and I went to watch Ben play, and I was struck by him right away. Uh, not as much as how good he was at the time, but what I would call his raw tools. You know, he, uh, he just is really gifted. He's very bouncy. He's got real good length, and uh, he's got great hands. You know, he catches everything. And it was really his parts as a player that stood out to me the most. And uh, it would almost be like, you know, if you were thinking about baseball, it's the pitcher who he doesn't necessarily have the best ERA or the most strikeouts or any of that, but he's got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. And he hasn't developed the curve, and, and he doesn't change speeds well, and he's got to work on his location. But you know what you can't teach? You can't teach a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm-hmm. And to me, Ben had a lot of the things you just can't teach uh, once they get to us. And a lot of the things that Ben needed were things that we thought he could develop while he was in college. And uh, and so I was really excited about him and still continue to be. He's gained about 15 pounds since he's got to our place. He's gotten a lot stronger. His understanding of the game is much better. And, and uh, if I go back to the baseball, he's developed the curveball and his, his work on his location and his change of speed. But when he puts it all together, I think he's got a chance to be dynamite. So one of the other things I wanted to ask James is about, you know, the Mac having older players and some of the core values and things he looks for when recruiting players. And this is what he told me. Well, you know, one thing for me that just really resonates with me is I love guys that have a passion for the game and have a real personal drive to be a great player. I think that resonates with me personally. And and uh, I'm going to say I always enjoy coaching guys that really have, have a determined drive to be a great player. That would be one big one for me. And then the second one, I think one of the great challenges in team sports, and it's, I think it's always been this way, but more so in 2020 than ever before, you know, the willingness to be a part of they built something bigger than yourself. If you get players that have a passion to succeed and you get players who are able to put the team needs in front of their own individual needs, then to me, you have two really core pillars to being successful. And then lastly, I always ask head coaches their goals heading into the season. This was James Whitford's response. I'm very excited about our team. You know, just we have a lot of young guys that play. You know, we had the freshman of the year in the Jerron Coleman. We had a very good freshman in Luke Bumbleo. And uh, we had, you know, Myron Thomas as a sophomore. We had a good year. Kanai Cree had a freshman. Uh, it was a good year. But we have a lot of other guys that, that you know, like Ben Hendricks, Blake Huggins, and a lot of other people don't know. And uh, I really like our team a lot. And uh, 
I feel like we have a chance to be very good, but I'm, I'm just eager to get our guys back on campus and allow us to be able to start working again. So a couple clips from my segment with head coach James Whitford of Ball State. They're 4-4 four and four in the MAC, and MAC's so tough, man, so I'm rooting for them, but um, they're going to be up against it as they head deeper into conference season. So I want to finish today's pod. I was going to do two picks mentioned, but the UC San Diego game uh, apparently has been postponed, but I did like uh, UC Irvine minus two in that. However, so I'll go with one pick tonight. So Dayton is getting five and a half points versus Davidson tonight. So Dayton plus 5.5 over Davidson. I do like Davidson. Nice little team. And Dayton, not the team they were last year. Obviously, OB Toppin gone, but still a couple nice players. They're 5-3 and three on the season. Davidson 6-4. and four. To me, this game's a pick em, So I'll take the 5.5 points with Dayton, who are obviously more than capable of winning outright. I think it's a pretty good bet. Roll with it. Best of luck with it. So lastly, I want to finish with a plug. I have a book out, and it's an opportunity for you to support. It is available on Amazon. It is called Life on the Road with the Wu-Tang Clan. It is about my 12-plus years as the booking agent and tour manager for one of hip-hop's most notorious groups, all the kind of you know sex, drugs, rock and roll, or in this case, sex, drugs, and hip-hop. And uh, it's a great story. It's also a good teaching tool for anyone interested in the music business because I explain how things work in the music business, that little behind-the-scenes window, and also some great stories of what life is like on the road with the Wu-Tang Clan, which I can't exactly share on this podcast because I'm trying to keep it a little PC other than my stories of eating weed cookies before watching Long Island and St. Francis and Moorhead and Tennessee Tech. But anyways, check it out. Life on the Road with the Wu-Tang Clan. And of course, check out undraftedfreeagent.com. Drop me a line on Twitter, at Mr. McKee. Follow us on the socials, undrafted underscore FA. And of course, click subscribe. Thank you for listening. Can't thank you guys enough. Podcast going so much better than I expected. Getting some good uh, downloads, getting some good views. Keep supporting. I'm going to keep churning them out. The beating of my heart.